My name is Isabel Clausen, the host of the Girl God's Got You podcast. This podcast was created to remind women that girl, God's got you, and he wants to help you live the life you were created to live. Have you ever struggled with believing in yourself, having fear about navigating your future, understanding your life purpose, or managing overwhelming stress? Well, if you've gone through any of these experiences, then this podcast is for you. And I want to encourage you that no matter what you go through, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter how much someone hurts you, no matter what level of self-confidence you have, no matter how much fear you have about the future, God is here for you no matter what. Girl, God's got you, and he always will. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Girl God's Got You podcast episode. I'm really excited for this podcast episode today because it was actually inspired by something that the pastor at my church said a couple weeks ago, and I wrote it down. I've been wanting to do a podcast episode about this topic for a few weeks now, and I'm really excited that I'm sitting down and getting to do it. So the topic or the phrase that my pastor shared that I just loved and I really want to dive into today is this, you get to live the life that Jesus deserved to live. In the sermon that the pastor was discussing and when he said this line was all about how we have this gift of getting to live a life that Jesus gave us. And it's not only just a life in general, we're living the life that Jesus created to live. Because he was a perfect human, he didn't need forgiveness because he never did anything wrong, but he knew that humans are selfish and that we make mistakes and that there's no way we could get into heaven because we're flawed. And anyone listening to this who has a Christian background knows that's why God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth so that he could die in our place so that we could live in freedom on earth and so that we could go to heaven. And when my pastor said this line, it kind of took me aback and I just really was impacted by it. And I think one of the biggest reasons is I asked myself, you know, why does this matter? And I kind of wanted to answer this question as the main thesis of this episode, if you will. And I kind of want to phrase it in a girl, God's got you kind of statement. One reason that God's got you is because he has given you this gift, this gift of life. And we should use this gift well. Jesus died. He was about 33 years old. And yes, he came back and he talked to the disciples, but then he, you know, went back up to heaven and he will come back one day. But he gave up his life so that we could all live. And that's a beautiful gift. And I like to think of it as we're kind of completing the chapter that Jesus never finished. Of course, we're not Jesus and we're not perfect. But Jesus died for our sins so that we could have freedom to make the choices that we want to make. Whether they're good or bad, we have the freedom to do what we want. And I think it's important for us to view life as a gift so that we can live it on purpose. And so that's really the the main thesis of this episode. One of the reasons that God's got you is because he has given you this gift and we should use this gift well. 
And I'm going to be kind of going into three different aspects of this episode, talking about what we're going to do with our gift. And Pastor Preston, the pastor at the church that my boyfriend and I go to, Gateway Church in Scottsdale, I love it, and I would recommend everyone to go there if you're in the area. But he said there's three ways we should represent Jesus in our words, in our ways, and how we love each other. And I think that's a beautiful those three ways are beautiful ways that we could really use this gift of freedom and living the life that Jesus deserved to live in our everyday life, using this gift on purpose. And so that's going to be kind of the three main ideas we talk about today, using this gift through our words, our ways, and how we love others. Now, before I go into the rest of this episode, I want to share my God's Got You moment of the week, and I would love to hear your God got, God's Got You moments of the week as well. And so if you want to DM me on Instagram, the Instagram for this podcast is at girl.godsgotyou. It'll be in the description of this episode below, or you can email it to me at girlgodsgotyou at gmail.com, either one, and I would love to share it in the episode. Whether you want to be anonymous or you want your name known, you could tell me that in the DM or the email, but I love to hear how God is really speaking in your life, what he's doing, whether it's a lesson you've learned or a blessing, because I think it's so important as a body of believers to listen to what other believers are going through, what struggles they're going through, or you know what gifts God has given you and how you're handling them and how you're using them to bless others. And so please send me your girl God's got you moment of the week. Mine this week is I feel like I'm really starting to feel settled in my job right now. I'm a financial advisor partnering with my dad and our family investment business. We just actually had our open house introducing our new office in Fountain Hills, and it was absolutely wonderful. And I really feel like this is my passion. And one thing that recently happened, and I'll actually go into the topic a little bit later in this episode, is we were talking with a client and she was sharing her whole life story. And I really realized that in this job, it's not just a financial advisor's job to give advice to give guidance. It's our job to listen to others and make them feel important. And as I was thinking about this, I remembered there's this book I'm reading right now, or I'm listening to it on Audible, but it's by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he said that one of the most important things we could do is make someone feel important. And I'm going to go into this idea of making people feel important later in this episode, but I think that every job, there's some level of In our work, our goal is to make other people feel like they matter and feel like they're valued. And when I realized that that's probably the biggest aspect of my job, more than giving financial advice or guidance, it's actually making people feel like they matter. I realized that that's really my life purpose and I'm so excited to be in this career field. So that's really my God's got you moment of the week. God just showing me the fulfillment that you could get from your vocation and using your talents to help other people. And I just want to use this as an example to share that just keep searching for your purpose and keep stepping out of your comfort zone to figure out what God wants you to do. I may not be a financial advisor forever. I hope I am because I love it. But wherever you're at in your life, find something that brings you fulfillment and that helps you feel like you're really helping others. So that's my God's Got You moment of the week. Please send me yours. And without further ado, let's go into the first way that we could use this gift, this gift of freedom and this gift of life that God has given us. And this is through our words. Now, there's a couple ways that we could use our words to help other people and really help us live on purpose. And I think the first thing is thinking before you speak. 
Now, this is something that I've always struggled with for a couple of reasons. First, I, I talk pretty fast, especially when I'm excited or when I'm worried about something or when I've just drank a lot of coffee. But thinking before you speak is so important. And you can't let your mind race faster than your words because A, you're going to sound like a jumbled mess or B, you're going to become irritable. And so one thing I have to focus on myself is really understanding how do I phrase these words in such a way that I make the most impactful and effective comment. I'm always working on this, but I really think thinking before you speak could help prevent a lot of arguments, could help a lot, prevent a lot of people from lashing out, it could prevent anger, it could prevent you from saying things that you wish you didn't say. I really believe that thinking before you speak is one way we could use our words to live life on purpose and to live out this gift Jesus has given us well. And I think another way, and this kind of goes along with thinking before we speak, is sharing words of encouragement with people that are well thought out and that are intentional. And this really does go back to thinking before you speak. When you're going to go hang out with someone, or when you're going to have a hard conversation with someone, or maybe you're going to go on a date with your boyfriend or your girlfriend you haven't seen for a while, or maybe you haven't seen your spouse for a while because they're traveling and you're going to spend time with them, whatever it is, whether it's a friend, romantic partner, a child, trying to plan out a couple things you want to say to them that are encouraging is really important. And I think that planning out something and taking time to craft a thoughtful statement is one way that we could really live life on purpose. And one of the great things about the Bible is a lot of different publications of the Bible have it in red when Jesus says something in red font. And so many things that Jesus has said are so impactful and so effective I would not be surprised if he thought a lot before he said certain things. Of course, he is part God, so or he is God, not part God. He is fully God and fully man. So, of course, he has all that wisdom. But I really think that Jesus thought before he spoke and said things on purpose. And we're called to be like Jesus and live by his example. So I really think that thinking before you speak can prevent arguments and promote unity with other people. Pastor Preston from the church I go to, he said to tell the person you love that you love them for a unique, specific reason. Instead of just saying, I love you, say, I love you because, and then you give that statement. It's not a conditional type of love. I love you only because of this. But you're telling someone, this is one specific, unique reason I love you, and I want you to know it. My boyfriend and I have been kind of starting to do that and also every night share something we're grateful for. And one reason that I love this is we can think about it all day and share one reason we're either grateful for each other or something going on. And really thinking about something all day before you speak helps it make it so much more special. So I'd really encourage you with your words to think before you speak and encourage others and tell the people you love them a specific reason why you love them. I also think another way that we could use our words to live on purpose and really live this life well that Jesus deserved to live is by listening to others. And it's here that I want to go back to the point about making other people feel important. And there's so many of us that want to talk about ourselves all the time. And I'm guilty of this. I mean, we all want to talk about ourselves because we're the controller of our lives and we're on purpose and we're trying to be productive and work hard. We want to tell people about our day. We, of course, want to learn about their day, but it's our natural inclination to think about ourselves and talk about ourselves. But I want you to go back to a point where instead of someone told you all about themselves, 
instead of doing that, they ask you about yourself, that probably made you feel important. That was probably a breath of fresh air, and it probably made you think about things that you wouldn't have told them in the first place. And the reason why I'm sharing this idea is from that book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I want to buy the actual copy of that book so I could pull up more quotes, but I'm listening to it right now. And one thing that he said that really touched me was that one of the most important things we could do is make someone else feel important. That's what everyone is seeking in life at the end of the day. That's what he believes. And he said, so if you make people feel important, they're essentially achieving what they're seeking and that gives them fulfillment. And when you're able to make someone feel important, they'll actually listen to you. You'll have their attention and you could create that bond. He was also relating it to sales, how if you make the customer feel important, he's more likely to be connected with you and buy your product or service. So that's something good to know if you guys are involved in business and want to know about a different way to connect with your market. But this one quote he said, really, I loved and I want to share it. And it reads, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. And this quote I love because two months versus two years, listening to people, asking specific questions about their lives, and active listening, responding in such a way where you're continuing the engagement, and actually listening and diving deep into their answers and remembering them. Listening and remembering. I try to listen. I am sometimes the worst at remembering things like someone tells me something and then I forget it the second they say it which is so bad but I need to work on it especially in my career and especially because I want to live on purpose and help other people feel loved and valued so listening and remembering is crucial and I think those are some ways that we could use our words to live on purpose and spread Jesus's love and light to this world I think the second way that we can live on purpose is through our ways (laughs) that's the second topic or the second point that Pastor Preston shared in his sermon. And a couple ideas I have under this is that one way that we could really live on purpose is by being responsible and setting a good example. There's nothing worse than feeling like we're procrastinating or we're not doing enough. But there's also nothing worse than feeling burned out and overwhelmed and that we just could barely keep our heads afloat. So finding that balance and living with our responsibilities, completing them and finding time to rest. For me, when I do that and I really strive for that balance, it helps me have more flexibility to be there for others. And I was just listening to this podcast. I forgot who it was and I forgot what episode it was, but it was talking about the idea of working out versus not working out. It's hard to get up early and work out or it's hard to stay up late or make extra time in your day to, to work out, get your steps in, lift your weights, whatever you do for working out, just moving your body and staying healthy. It's a lot of work to do it. But it's also really hard to not do it and sit there in health problems or feeling lazy or feeling lethargic and tired. So both options are hard. And so this woman on this podcast said, you have the choice to pick your hard option. Both options with working out are hard, whether you're going to do it or you're not. You're either going to do it and it's going to be hard you have to make time for it or you're not going to do it and you're going to feel guilty lethargic and you're going to have health problems so what hard thing you pick what will offer the most benefit it's kind of like the opportunity cost which choice will offer the most opportunity whether it's my time the level of difficulty the blessings in the future and so i really think that with responsibility and finding balance it's hard to be burned out and it's 
hard to procrastinate and not get anything done, but it's almost more hard to find that middle ground. So it's your choice to choose that hard option. And what I find found out for myself is choosing that middle ground of getting things done, trying not to be distracted and finding rest. It's hard to do that. It's disciplined. But if you're responsible, you're a good steward of your responsibilities, you're actually setting a good example for your family, your friends, anyone younger than you. And the other benefit of trying to live a balanced life, even though it's hard, is having more flexibility to make time for other people. And so that's one way that I I really think that we should try to live on purpose and live the life that God created us to live is to work hard without distractions or as few as possible because it's difficult to do that. Finding rest to recharge and having flexibility in your day to be there for others. So I think another way that we can live on purpose through our actions is through having a positive mental attitude. Now there is this author named Napoleon Hill, and I've brought him up here on the podcast before, but he wrote a book about his 17 laws of success. I think that's the way the title is written. It's kind of confusing, but I'll link it in the show notes below. And he talks all about having a positive mental attitude and how it's something we can control and that it's something that's crucial to success. He has a couple quotes I want to share. The first is this, your mental attitude is something you can control outright and you must use self-discipline until you can create a positive mental attitude. Your mental attitude attracts you to everything that makes you what you are. And I thought that was really interesting. I think a lot of people relate this idea to the law of manifestation, which that's a whole different topic for a different day. But it's pretty much saying that with our attitude, it changes the way we view things and the way that we view opportunities. And that will change the things that we choose. Because if our perception's different, then we're going to choose other options because we see the options in a different way. So having the self-discipline to have a positive mental attitude will honestly make us what we are. It'll turn us into the person we want to become. And if we want to live on purpose and live a good life that God wants us to live, honestly, we need to have the self-discipline to have a positive mental attitude so we choose the right choices for our lives. Another quote he talks about self-discipline and having a positive attitude says that self-discipline begins with the mastery of your thoughts. If you don't control what you think, you can't control what you do. Simply put, self-discipline enables you to think first and act afterward. And I really believe that's so important because having mastery over your own thoughts is crucial to having a positive outlook on life. So many people in today's society have anxiety. I would say most people I talk to have it. And we all have anxious thoughts, but sometimes it gets the best of us. And we need to learn how to master our own thoughts because if we let our thoughts run rampant and our worries take a hold of us, it ruins our day. It ruins the way we view the world and we'll probably make decisions that aren't the best for us because we're not viewing the options in the best light. We should view it in a positive light rather than an anxious, worried light. The days that I'm stressed out and I'm not depending on God for strength and I'm not seeing my blessings for what they are and being thankful for what I have, that's the days where I really feel as though my positive mental attitude is down and I'm not making the best decisions that I could for myself. And I really believe that we can't master our own thoughts without leaning on God for guidance. When I think about life, I think about all of these different paths that we could choose. And there's so many, so much noise, so many distractions in our way that it's hard for us to even figure out what path to take. But God has a defined path for us. And the beautiful thing is, even if we take the wrong path, 
with his help and his strength and his forgiveness, we could come back to his main path. But instead of us going off and making all these decisions that aren't right for us, I think the most effective way is every day reminding ourselves of the things about God that are true and using that to give us strength and guide us along his path so we could really learn how to sift through the noise and pick the right decisions. And there's a couple things that I've been trying to do in my life to really discipline myself to stay positive. So the first thing I do is to remind myself of my truths, whether it's truths about God, how he loves me, he created me for a purpose, he believes in me, he forgives me, or it's my truths that I know about myself. I have self-worth. I should be confident. I should believe in myself. Because God created me, I have a purpose and I should pursue that purpose. Remind myself of my core principles. That brings me back to having a more positive outlook. The second is to remind myself of my loved ones and know that they believe in me and to be thankful for the memories I have for them and to be thankful for their love. Really thinking about the people closest to me in my life lifts my mood much faster. The third thing that helps me stay positive and kind of get out of a a rut of being anxious or worrying or not really viewing the world in the best light is to realize that I'm here for God's glory, not my own. And I could be worrying about all these temporary things, all these little conversations, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I'm here for God, not myself. Yes, I need to enjoy life and enjoy the blessings God has given me, but I'm here for God. And he doesn't want me to waste my time distracted about these silly things that really don't matter at the end of the day. He wants me to live on purpose, be there for others, and spread his light. And in order to do that, I have to stay positive. And usually that snaps me out of things pretty fast. But the fourth thing I do is just remembering that Jesus died so I can live. And just go back to this whole idea of this podcast was that we get to live the life that Jesus deserved to live. And understand that there was a, Jesus didn't have to die for us. That means that our lives will look totally different. But he chose to die for us because he wanted to have a relationship with us. And that offers more joy and more peace than anything else can, in my opinion. So those are just four ways that I try to discipline myself to stay positive, and it really helps me pick the right decisions in life to be the best version of myself so that I can live on purpose for God and for others. But the third way that we can live on purpose as we go along this little outline that I shared at the beginning is the way we love other people. And Galatians 5 is a wonderful chapter of the Bible, and it shares these ideas called the fruits of the Spirit and the different type of actions and thoughts and behaviors that Christians should emulate because we're bound by the Holy Spirit. And I like to think that the fruits of the Spirit are different ways that we could show love to other people. And Galatians 5 shares the different fruits of the Spirit, and I'm just going to list them for you right now, and then we'll dive into them. But they are love, joy, peace, forbearance, which essentially means self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I first want to point out that I believe self-control is essentially mentioned here twice because in order for us to love other people well, we have to be selfless. It has to be based off unconditional love. But human hearts, they're selfish and they're deceiving. And we oftentimes judge people based on their actions, what they say, what they think about us. Our love 
oftentimes is conditional. We have to control the side of ourselves, have self-control, so we can love people unconditionally and see them as Jesus does. And I think that's one way that we can live life on purpose, by having self-control, by taking care of our physical health, by taking care of our minds, by taking care of our spiritual health and being close to God. Because it takes a lot of work to have self-control, especially in relationships with other humans, because a lot of emotions are involved. But I really think that one of the best ways to love other people is by having self-control in our own hearts first. Another really wonderful fruit of the spirit that I, I love here is kindness and joy. And you could spread so many blessings to other people by being kind to them, whether they deserve it or not, whether you have time for it or not. Just doing those small acts of kindness and also having joy and being a light in someone's day that makes such a huge impact. There are so many times where maybe I'm feeling down or I'm not feeling my best and my mom talks to me on the phone and she's joyful and it immediately lifts my spirits. Or maybe I'm stressed out about something and I FaceTime my boyfriend Aaron and he immediately lifts my spirits through his joy. Or maybe I'm, you know, stressed out at the office and my dad makes a joke. His joy brings me up. There's so many times in my life where close loved ones have joy. They choose joy and that ends up making me feel joyful. Think of all the people that you can impact in your day-to-day life when you choose to have joy and to see the world in a positive way. So to sum it up, I really believe that our life is a gift because we get to live the life that Jesus deserved to live. He chose to give up his life so that we could have a chance to live it. And I think that we should live it well. Now there's this chapter in Matthew, it's chapter 25, and there's this story about Jesus telling the parable of the loaned money. And it's about this man. He called his servants over to them, to him. And he had three servants. And to one servant, he gave five bags of gold. To another servant, he gave two bags of gold. And to another, he gave one bag of gold. And so he gave his three servants money and said, you do what you want. Come back later and tell me what you did with it. So the person with five bags, he went off, he invested it, and he gained much more money. He used it wisely, he put his money to work, and gained five bags more. He doubled his money. And the one with two bags of gold, he didn't do as much, but he gained two bags more. So he also doubled his money. But the person who had one bag, he buried it in a hole out of fear. So after a long time, the master of these servants returned, and he settled the accounts with them. And the man who received five bags of gold brought the other five bags and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags. I've gained five more. And the master replied, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the person with two bags did the same exact thing. The master said the same exact thing. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. and He said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And the master was really mad and he said, You wicked, lazy servant! You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. 
And so I know I read directly from the Bible, and sometimes that sounds confusing. But the main point of the story, and I actually learned this from a gentleman named Charlie Kirk. He's a conservative young adult talk show host. He has a wonderful podcast. I love it. He brought up this story, and I'll share his viewpoint on it in a second. But essentially, the main idea is that when you're given something, God is entrusting you to do well with it. And if we trust him and use our talents to do something with our life, we'll be blessed. But the person who doubted the master, those of us that doubt God, we don't do anything because we're living in fear. What are we doing with the gift? What are we doing with the gold, the life that he's given us? And how Charlie Kirk explains this, he said that the citizens of America have been given the most wonderful country on the planet, the USA, America. And he asks the people listening to the podcast, what are you going to do with this gift? And I'm going to ask you the same question about your life. What are you going to do with this gift? Are you going to double what God gave you? Are you going to live life on purpose and live well and have a positive attitude? Or are we going to squander this gift, not live it on purpose, and live in fear? We have a choice. And even though we all have different circumstances and different decisions in life, God has given each of us the opportunity to live life on purpose and live it well. And I really believe that this passage, it speaks so much truth. And I want you to take this episode as a reminder to think about the beginning of the day, during the day, and at the end. Because we could honor this gift by utilizing our lives to be a distribution of Jesus' love and light through our words, our ways, and how we love other people. But we cannot do it without the strength of God and asking for his help. And so if you really want to live your life on purpose, I challenge you to write down some of your principles. Write down some Bible verses to read to motivate you. Pray to God every day, whether it's just a simple two-minute prayer or whether you're praying to Him as you drive 20 minutes to work. Staying connected with God will help you live your life on purpose and help you live the life that Jesus deserved to live.